0: Three right away. Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Roll we'll go. Rebound, box. Back out to Allen. His three final. Five games. game with
1: five seconds remaining. Welcome to the Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Shaka-laka. Hello and welcome back to another Inside NBA show here on the Inside Podcast Network. I'm The Matrix and today I'm here with SC Big Horse, mate. How are you?
0: Hello, mate. Good to see you down in a few stubbies. I would really like to be, but bottle was shut and didn't get around to filling up, so I'm gonna to have to live vicariously through you and your beer drinking abilities for this episode.
1: mate, I'm keen. I've just I've just sunk three or four during the NBL show which is of course the Australian Basketball League. Um, but mm. I love all things basketball. So let's we're here today to talk about point guard tiers in the NBA. That's the American Basketball League and this show is brought to you by Fantasy Scores. Um, it's leveling up your fantasy basketball drafts by giving you the analytics to help you punt categories, assess player value, and find the right sleepers to help you win your leagues. You can use the code INSIGHT on Fantasy Scores to get yourself five US dollars off. Um, and I know I've been using them. I was just telling you off air yeah. that I've got a points. Like, I, I know a lot of us, you know, focus on nine cat head-to-head legs, but I've got a mm. points option draft coming up. And the fact that you can set um, what your salary cap is in your option drafts and it comes through and rates everybody, um, look, I'm pretty excited for that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty elite. And for me, like I've just been sticking with the nine cap uh, leagues myself and having it, being able to put in mock draft numbers, uh, keeping it live with each pick that goes through. You can update it. You can punt builds. Um, it's fantastic. It's, it's taught me a lot about how to draft and how to draft well.
1: Um, we're going to bring up the squeeze and Ryan from Astute Newstead a bit later on. But on today's show, we are going to be ranking the point guards into tiers. Um, we're going to be going through the best point guards at similar positions in your draft uh, to help you make the best decision. Um, so, you know, if we're in one tier and it's got three guys and you rate somebody as another tier, it's probably because they've been sliding in drafts and we're going to tell you that if you're in that similar position in your draft, you know, with what categories you're punting, um, who's going to be the best choice for you. Um, we're going to go through you know, some of those strengths and weaknesses of the players. And, of course, throw in a couple of flyers um, for those deeper leagues or if you're feeling spicy, there are some guys that could win you your comps Absolutely. Um, if they exceed expectations. Um, mm-hmm. But let's get into those tier one, those top ten uh, point guards. Um, and it would be hard not to bring up Luca yep. Halliburton, And Shea Gildress Alexander. Rate them into three for me, my friend.
0: Okay. So when we're talking tier one, I'm talking these guys are probably top six or seven. Um, Luca's been going two and three, depending on who you ask. He's nearly creeping in front of Embiid now, but why? Like for me, he's a turnover machine. He's got Kyrie beside him. He's he's not going to be the sole distributor of the rock. I see SGA as more upside and more valuable pick than Doncic this year. So I'd actually go SGA 1, Luca 2, Halley 3. What about you, mate?
1: Look – I've got Luka quite high, but when I'm doing some research and I'm not going to drop fantasy scores because that's where we're getting our stats from, I'm not going to drop them every every 10 seconds. But if you go through their stats on the 22-23 season, you have to punt free throw percentage and turnovers for Straight Luka Doncic back. to be, say, the third best player. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander on last year's stats is the best guy out of these guys. Mm-hmm. But my concern is, I think Luca will do what he's done in the previous year. Whereas I think Shay Gilgis Alexander, I think it's going to be really hard for him to keep up that really high output that he got last year. Um, so I've got um, Luca, Shay, and then Hallie, um, only because I think if you end up taking Luca, you just start punting categories from the word dot. Whereas cool. Shay, it's, it's not as clear. Um, I think that you would, you know, you could start to lean towards turnovers, rebounds, and and three pointers. But I think if you take Shea and even Halliburton in these in this first round, I don't think you start punting till your second pick.
0: What's your thoughts? absolutely? You, you could pair them with anyone, as you just said with with John Doncic, you're pretty much going one way right off the bat. Whereas these two, they sort of leave you open that you can afford to pick the best available player when it comes to your pick on the turn. So you're not pigeonholed into having to go one way, which for us, like, you've got to be able to pivot. You've got to be able to change your plans. And picking Doncic to a degree is almost pigeonholing you to go one way.
1: Yeah, so I suppose I'm backing your point behind a Shea or a Halley. I could see Tyrese Halliburton um, becoming a lot better player than he was last year, but I'm just not sure I could see that from Shea. I still think Shay and Halley are going to be right there beside each other, but I think there's a bit of growth, growth in Halley if you can take him in and around. We just saw him go in the seventh and the eighth pick in an extremely competitive league, so um, there's a mm-hmm. bit of value there. Absolutely. Um, when I go to that sort of second tier and it's starting to lead from the eighth pick to the 12th pick, um, I start talking about people like Lamelo Ball and Steph Curry. I think – yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Hornets. I heard you called your kid. Um, the Hornets. My
0: um, favourite player, go. Kai Jones. <laughs>
1: um, but
0: do you have Lamello or Steph higher? I have Steph higher. Steph's got the runs on the board. Lamello's good to a degree. He's, he's almost like a punt field goal percentage type of guy. Um consistency, I guess, and games played is going to be an issue for LaMelo. We've seen the last few years, Dickie Ankle, they've sat him out both years. If Charlotte's in with a chance to play in a final series or make the playoffs, then he'll keep playing. But if they're as bad as what they've been recently and don't show any real improvement, does he sit again come February, March? Or is he going to push to try and play that 65 games that we all now know you have to play to receive NBA honours or to receive NBA awards.
1: Yeah, I think we could see that. It's hard with Steph because I also see the Golden State Warriors holding Steph back a little bit. Um, I think Mm. maybe the addition of Chris Paul attributes to that. And then just like maybe Steph only plays that. 28 minutes a night we got to remember he's 35 years old um I know your age but I know that um that's roughly our age and I'm still hurting from basketball last night I know that this guy is a premier athlete but you Mm -hmm. just start to think that maybe he takes a little bit of a step back this year in I suppose that push for a championship
0: yeah I think you're right
1: and I'm a little bit worried about taking both these guys. I've actually traded down in a draft uh, from the seventh pick to the twelfth pick, hoping to get Lamelo rather than taking Steph. More so because I like the next pick coming uh, when you take the um, when you take the twelfth pick. But Lamelo ended up going eleven. Steph went in and around that seven range. But mm-hmm. I think Steph is the right decision if you've got the seventh pick. But I also don't want him in my team because of some question marks there. Lamelo's at least young. I know he's injured. He was injured for a lot last year. But because he's young, I'm more likely to risk an injury more so than Steph has had those years where he's been injured.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has. His ankles in previous years hasn't been great, but an off-ball Steph Curry running off screens, like that could be really dangerous. Assists will probably be down. But points, field goal percentage, like he may get better looks because they're going to create space for him.
1: I think on a per game basis, Steph is a better player. I just wonder whether he probably doesn't care about those NBA accolades. Um, I I don't think so. I think that Steph is a big enough of a team guy to just want to win a championship.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm with you there.
1: When we go into a tier three... um, I'm talking all-star caliber players. Um, so I start to talk about, you know, of course, we just talked about the 12th pick, which I consider Lamelo to be at. Uh, we start to talk about your Kyries, your Lillards. I've, I have Lillards sliding a little bit, if you listen to mm-hmm. our emergency podcast. Um, so I don't have him in that 7 to 12 range anymore. But you've got your Kyries, you've got your Lillards, you've got your your Trey, you've got James Harden, and, um, and I've got Fred Van Vliet. Uh, what is the range that you would have, a Kyrie, a Lillard, a Trey, a Harden, and a Fred Van Vliet, and when would you look to take them and maybe who would you take over the other ones?
0: So for me, Kyrie, Lillard, and Trey all second round quality. Fred Van Vliet, early third round. We just did a draft recently where I picked him up towards the back end of the fourth round, which I was, I was stoked with that value. Harden concerns me because we've seen in the past that when he doesn't want to be somewhere, he's shit out. He's shocking. He's slow. He looks disinterested. His stats are going to go down. When we're talking Kyrie, Lillard, and Trey, I'm actually going to rank Lillard number one out of those two and Trey second. Why? Because with Kyrie, the ball share with Doncic, yes, it worked towards the back end of last season, but you've got to ask yourself, were they just showing off Kyrie to try and maximise his value for a trade this year? Or what are they going to do? They're going to be looking to play finals this year because with Doncic, there's been rumours getting around that if Dallas aren't successful, is he going to start looking for a trade or go somewhere where he can be successful? So I see Kyrie being on the move at some stage this year. Is it A, going to be to the point where he receives less of the ball or they're going to try and maximise his value. I'm not sure which way it's going to go there, but we've seen Kyrie, if he's not happy, he's outspoken, shit will happen, he'll end up sitting. And for me, if I'm taking a pick between 7 and 12 or we're talking here second round, I want my second round guys playing in a lot of games.
1: And I think Kyrie and Lillard are the best players. I suppose Harden's in there, but there's so many question marks with him there. I'm excited to see what, Kyrie can do I'm actually with the uncertainty behind Lillard being at the Bucks Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would take Trey over Lillard and Kyrie this year I think that he's got a point to prove he didn't have his best year last year um Mm -hmm. but you know the Hawks you know they've come across with new coaches um they've made some changes which I think really suit Trey Young um I really like the idea of Trey Young Um, I've got some question marks about Kyrie, but where I've been getting him in drafts is in and around that 20, which I'm very happy with. I'm okay to forego Lillard because I've seen other people take him in that 10 and 11 range, and that's not for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I've actually taken Harden in drafts before, but it's in and around that 26, 25 range, and that's when I would take a risk on, because Harden Uh, is a risk at the moment. Um, you, you said about him looking disinterested about, you know, we all remember Harden. Um, he was mm-hmm. a real thing. Um, this year, he doesn't want to be in Philly. He's been forced to contractually. he's He could be traded to any team, but at 25, 26, probably all the way to 30, I'm extremely happy to take Harden. I'm not taking him top 20, but it could be excellent value.
0: Mm-hmm. He's, um He's got a bit of the boy that cried wolf type of thing going about him now. He's cried himself out of OKC, out of Houston. Uh, where else did he cry himself? Out of Brooklyn. Like, yeah. all those teams can't be as shit as what you're making it out to be, mate. There's one common denominator there. And the fact that he's asked out of Philly now, yeah, there's there's something going on there. And, yeah, I'm not willing to spend a, one of my top two picks on someone that may not potentially play or won't play to his Potential anyway.
1: What excites me stat wise is I go have a look and I look at uh, last year's 22 23 season, and he scored 20.97 points per game, six rebounds, 10.66 assists, which is enough to um, to be the assist leader. Like mm-hmm. the upside's certainly there. He's not that old. Um, um, Harden is 34 I think he's years mid-30s. old. Mid 30s. Yep. Yeah, I think he's still got a little bit to give in that in that round. But yeah, when he's disinterested. But when I have a look at somebody like, I suppose a Trey Young, he scored over ten. Oh, scored, received, gave over ten assists per game as well as one of the best assist guys there. I just think Trey Young being a lot younger, I'm a lot more comfortable having Trey Young, but. You've got to, of course, entertain the fact, because some people will take James Harden out of their board because of these, I suppose, these question marks around him. You've got to work out where you're willing to take him, haven't you? That's right.
0: So tell me why uh, Freddie at Houston is dropping as much as what he is now.
1: Look, I think he had a pretty underwhelming – well, everybody had an underwhelming season at Toronto.
0: Toronto, and.
1: I covered the Toronto. Um, <clears throat> he had the worst field goal percentage in the league last year in people that had um, over a hundred shots. I believe. Yep. You really are yourself, pigeonholing yourself into punting, punting
0: field goal field percentage. percentage.
1: Yeah. But he actually looks after the ball. Like for a point guard, his turnovers aren't that bad. Um, he wants to be in Houston. He signed the big contract. He's going to prove himself. Look, punt field goal percentage and Fred Van Vliet suddenly just, Fred Van Vliet becomes the sixth best player in the comp um, Mm -hmm. if you punt field goal percentage. So just know if you're getting him in value, I've got him in the 40s now as well in in a comp I did after you. So he's sliding to that sort of range. Um, Don't let him go past you if you're in those late 30s because he's tremendous value.
0: Yeah. And for someone that's five put fuck all, he gets a lot of blocks too, or what we call stocks, steals and blocks.
1: Yeah, look, he gets two steals a game. Um, you know, he has got a block before. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats as to how many, but he is, a, he is an active defender that gets, what, two steals a game. Um, people are picking Gary Trent up for his two steals a game. Mm-hmm. Just... Get it along with twenty points per game with Fred Van Vliet.
0: Yep, I'll uh, quickly look that up while you're going to the next one, mate.
1: Yeah, look, I'll um, I'll head into these upside picks as we go into tier four. I think these are probably just after Fred Van Vliet because I think Fred Van Vliet's a lot safer number. So we go to Trey Young's teammate in DeJounte Murray. We go to Cade Cunningham, which has both been sliding and getting overvalued in some of the drafts. And then we've got De'Aaron Fox, who I consider great value at the mid-30s, but I wouldn't be taking him in the 20s. Um, Cade Cunningham, where do you have him on your draft board at the moment, Mick?
0: I'm really high on him. Like, really, really high on him. I think he's got... Tremendous upside. He is the man in Detroit. I really like the look of the pick and roll game that he's going to be playing with Jalen Duren, Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman. They're all athletic type of centers that, apart from probably James Wiseman, like to bang a bit inside. I think there's a second round upside in Cade Cunningham. Same with Fox, same with DeJounte to a degree, but I think Cade's the pick for me out of those three. Yeah, I agree with
1: you. Um, I actually expected DeJounte to start sliding. He didn't have a tremendous year last year. I was super high on him last year. I took him, I think, with the 21st pick in one of my drafts. I was so disappointed. Um, And then I sort of thought, well, if he's there at the 38, uh, maybe I could get hurt again by him. But I still find people taking him at 30, which I think is nearly DeJounte's ceiling. Mm. Yeah. when Cade slides into the 30s, I salivate. Um, I get very excited about that. But Fox has his deficiencies in his game. Like, when you yes. have a look at... Yeah. Um, tell me about Fox's um, deficiencies. Like, oh, we know that he's, his free throw percentage isn't good. His turnovers no. aren't that good. He doesn't block.
0: No. Like, he doesn't... He's almost down. like a... For me, if, I, uh, if I'm if i in a draft or a mock draft and I end up picking up Giannis, he's my number one person that I'm looking to pair Giannis with and punt free, uh, free throws straight off the bat.
1: Well, you start punting free throws and then you can start punting uh, three-pointers as well because yeah. he is one of the few point guards that doesn't actually shoot the three ball very much, isn't
0: he? No, you're right. He's got a tremendous mid-range game and works really well with uh, Sabonis in that 1-2 um, game that they've got there. But, yeah, for a point guard, doesn't shoot a lot of threes.
1: If we're heading into, I suppose, the next tier, and I've probably got them 40 to 60, um, Garland is the head runner for me. Um,
0: Definitely. Probably
1: didn't have the best season. We're going to be talking about Donovan Mitchell a lot in the shooting guard tiers. Uh, but it goes Garland, Brunson, Drew Holiday, um, Jamal Murray, and Giddy. Um, where do you sort of uh, start ranking these guys?
0: Garland, definite number one there for me. Um, Brunson, I'm wary of, I really like his game, but when we're talking about Tibbs' system and the way that he plays players a lot of minutes, I fear that he will get injured or hurt or fatigue really easily. Holiday, he's probably gone down a little bit for me since heading off to the Celtics. Like we saw today, I know it's just a preseason match, but they went with um, a team that was comfortable together, a team with chemistry, and they rocked out with Horford at the five and Derek White at the at the one. So, when when you're looking at that, he could potentially play 24 minutes off the bench and run that six man unit, which would then Probably put him to the back of this queue. Uh, Jamal Murray and Giddy, depending on what format you're talking, if you're talking about like our ESPN league that we've got coming up this weekend and triple doubles are a category, Giddy jumps up really high for me because he's got that ability to score points, grab rebounds, dish out assists. But if we're just talking about a, um, a normal you know, stock standard 9-cat 12-team league, Murray for me over Giddy. I picked up Murray last year coming off an ACL, started really slow, but nearly won me the league last year with the way he came home really hard.
1: I think people are forgetting that because people do drop off towards the end of, like, if you're not in finals contention, we've all been there. You start, you know, stopping updating your team and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, it's Garland and Brunson. Um, I've got Murray above Holiday. I think you get as advertised now with, with Murray. I don't think you're gonna get a top thirty guy, but you don't no. gonna get any you're not gonna get someone that drops outside of the top seventy. And I think you're okay with taking that in this mix. I think you're gonna get the same with Garland and Brunson. Drew Holiday there's question marks and Giddy yeah. he's just so young, isn't he? And you've got question marks around Shay and I suppose Chet Holgram's coming in. Like Giddy was one of, if not the second guy last year. Is he the third? or fourth guy now fourth. Like,
0: yeah yeah with um with Murray it's it's pretty uncommon as as you'd agree no doubt that they've got a center that runs the offense there in Denver so for him to be productive he's got to be hitting his threes because his assist numbers aren't really that high for a point guard
1: yeah his assist numbers are 6 per game and when looking yeah. at other guys in that tier you know Garland gets nearly 8 Uh, We were just talking about people like Trey Young and everything like that. You can nearly get those six assists from somebody like Beal, which I'm not sure if you see that now. But Beal gets five assists per game and scores at a better clip. Yeah, it puts you in that awkward, I suppose, spot with Murray. I'm still comfortable taking him at 50. Um, I have. And I think it's more a safety pick. I took my risks with the other picks, and I'm okay with just, you know, just playing it nice and steady. Uh, just hitting one down the middle with Murray. So yeah, just
0: hitting um, bombs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I was talking about the uh, the old single to uh, mid wicket uh, for those of you in America. You're going to understand that. Um, but as we step into Tier Five, probably the 60th spot all the way to the 80th spot, we start talking about CJ McCullough and we start talking about Tyus Jones and we start talking about CP3. I have talked about Tyus Jones at length, but in my last draft, you ended up picking up Tyus Jones. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you like about him.
0: I love him. I think he's quite efficient with what he does, his points. He grabs rebounds for a smaller guard. His assist numbers are good. And we saw today, like, he was near on perfect from the field. He's going to be the distributor to Paul and to Kuzma there in Washington. They kind of look half dynamic on the offensive end. Defensively, I think they'll be shootouts. But offensively, they're going to be really fun to watch this year.
1: So Tyce Jones has played 58 games without Ja Morant. Um, he has scored 13 points per game. rebounds, 7 assists, 1.5 steals, and just did it at 46% um, with one and a half three-pointers made. A guy in the 80s, that's extremely safe, and he's probably going to get more minutes than that. Um, I'm super keen just to see how he goes. It is an upside pick. I think that you could find yourself with the 100th player if Poole becomes more of a ball handler. But, mm-hmm. look, what are you missing? I think I saw you take him at 85 the other day. What are you missing yeah. for him to drop 15 spots? You're pretty happy if you take your guys and they're in and around that 15-spot mark.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, CJ McCullum healthy. I think this is a good range for him. CP3, like, I understand that he's been a good player, but he's 300 years old. He's not going to play back-to-backs. He's not going to play every game. I think this is a bit high for his value.
1: I think so, but I did see him slide into the hundreds at one stage because I suppose everybody thought what you thought. And then I Mm. think he's exceptional value. I wanted to bring him up where he was drafted so that we could talk about it and probably advise against. But there's a point in which you could take nearly any player. And I think if you see him sliding, you're still... Like he was playing, what, 30 minutes a night? I think Mm. maybe... 23, 24 comfortably.
0: That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. I still think he'll he'll average you 14 points and eight or nine assists. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what probably what you're going to get out of him.
1: But you take 20% off his stats and you get that. Like, that's Tyce Jones numbers. I know there's upside in Tyce Jones. I know there's probably a bigger chance of CP3 being injured. But you've just got to have that in your in the back of your mind. Maybe if Tyus goes and you're still looking for those assists and CP3s there. Because when I head into the next batch of people, um, the assists really start to dry up. I think at about 80, the assists dry up in your draft. And either if you haven't got one of these guys or two of these guys, you're probably punting assists. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really hard to find... I suppose these assist guys between seventy five and one hundred and twenty, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, and like Dinwiddie's sitting there at the moment as well in and around this range, but we've we've seen that he's playing almost entirely off ball now. In Brooklyn, he what was it eighteen minutes he played in the last preseason game, not one assist, and it was all three pointers. So his roles changed back to the way that it was in Dallas.
1: Yeah, so I suppose that's why I don't consider him a point guard. He's not getting those assists anymore. I know he's yep. dual, which is handy if you're punting assists. So by mm. all means, if you're punting assists, get Very somebody honest. like Dinwiddie in. But I've always mm. seen Dinwiddie as somebody that's drafted in and around that 100 and he just gets you 100. I don't see any upside in Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie does, does
0: not. Yeah. Um, Next.
1: Where would you take Jammer at?
0: I think this is about right. 75, 80, I think that's about right. You've got to be smart. And what by that I mean <laughs> you've got to be Marcus. able to um you've got to be able to draft well and be able to stash him for the twenty five games or however long it is that he's out for. Which in fantasy world, that's like eight weeks. And that's a 30 year season. So you need to be really switched on with the way that you draft that you're going to be able to carry someone like Jar. Yeah, you might get it all back or maybe not all back. Most of it back once he does come back. But if you're not comfortable with drafting someone like that, that's going to be sitting for the first eight weeks, don't draft him.
1: I've tried to outthink the room in some drafts and I've probably played fantasy basketball for about 12 years now. And, Again, trying to outthink the room doesn't always work. So, like, I thought, mate, I won last year. I could get Jar Morant and him come in in a little bit. But when your commissioner's really smart and starts finishing three weeks earlier, and then if you're in a deeper league and playoffs go for another three weeks before that, you start to look at missing out on a starting mm-hmm. point guard, the guy that you take at 80th, being gone for, like, half the season I actually hate that pick. I know ESPN allows you to put him in IR at the moment, but I believe that's gonna get patched out. And yep. having Jamarant could ruin your season.
0: Can I just bring this up? So he's gonna be out for twenty-five games. So not playing any basketball at all. And then he comes back. Don't expect the same type of production straight away. It's gonna take him five or ten games to get his legs back. So you're more looking at thirty-five games if I'm going to be entirely honest, until you get the full-blown Morant back. And then you, you might get 20 games out of him before your final start. Just be cautious.
1: And it's not like Jar Morant is a first-round guy when it comes to fantasy. Mm-hmm. Does the best highlights in the league. I'm he a does. Grizzlies fan. Absolutely love him. But still, at his peak, I think I can remember him being just into the top 30. Like, it's not like... You know, it's not like he's a top three guy in fantasy. I don't think, like, with how much he scores and the fact that Tyus Jones was carrying a bit of a load of assist-wise and you've got, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and all these, you know, Desmond Bain hitting all the threes and everything. Jarmorant's not a very efficient three-point shooter. Um, better real-life player than his fantasy player anyway. Just my two cents. Yep. I got you there. Um, but but <laughs> we talked about being smart with Jarmarant. What about being smart with Marcus Smart? Um, because I see that him getting a little bit of a bump with Ja Morant out, um, playing that point guard role. I mm-hmm. still think he's going to be the best defender on the team. I still see him starting maybe at that shooting guard after that anyway. Uh, but his production should be up at the start of the year, which 25 games is a long time. Um, Marcus Smart could be somebody that you could look to get and then maybe trade four or five weeks into the season. Your exactly thoughts?
0: what I was going to say. Buy low, trade high. 100%. Yep. And, like, a good defender
1: uh, gets your steals. Um, you know, a winner as well. Um, not that that always translates to fantasy, but uh, the Grizzlies should be – they're that high octane. We're not talking about the grit and grind Grizzlies with Tony Allens and – um and Zebos anymore. We're talking an upbeat team, uh, which should get an exciting of team to watch. Yeah, there's going to be some counting stats for smart. Um, I like to stay away from NBA rookies, um, mm-hmm. but NBA rookies that I could look at in the point guard spot is Scoot Henderson. Um, I don't have a big opinion on him um, because I classically stay away from them. Let me know what you think.
0: I'm the same. I won't touch him just purely because. All rookies are inconsistent with the way they play. Look at Wembenyana, pre-season, went for, what, nine points and eight boards, whatever it was, in his first game then exploded for 29 the next game in the Summer League. So when you're looking at someone like Scoot, he's explosive, he's going to be really fun to watch, but it's going to be a wave. And for me, I won't be going there.
1: I find myself taking somebody like D'Angelo Russell quite often. Um,
0: because I like that you bought this in.
1: People love to hate him. Like yeah. we know that he he was the rat. But who loves Nick Young anyway? He was cheating on his missus. Yeah, yeah but, that's right. Um, yeah, lo was the rat. Um, he's a he's a former all star, and I find him sliding to a hundred. I don't understand why. I don't need good blokes on my fantasy team. I need people that are going to produce. Um, you know, we talk about people like LeBron not playing every game. We talk about how injury-prone Anthony Davis is. Um, Delo's going to have the ball in his hand in LA, and I, lo- I like Delo. I find myself getting Delo in a lot of drafts.
0: I'll ask you this. Why are people reaching on Reeves in the 60s and 70s when you can get Delo in the 90s? And for me, um, I think be- delo has got a higher ceiling.
1: Yeah, because, look, people who play fantasy basketball... Um, love to chase the upside. Okay, Delo's value is already there. He had at times during last year as a top 50 player and you can get him at 100. Um, he's still young. He's still only 25 years old. Um, yes, he didn't have a great, I suppose, success of a tenure in Brooklyn. He didn't have a great success in Minnesota. Um, he ended up going back to L.A., there's story, there's glitz, there's glamour, there's a guy that plays for the Lakers, but people are overlooking him because of those things. If you look into the stats, Delo's really good for your team.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we just talked about Tyus Jones for five minutes before. Is there a world where Trey Jones has a better season than Tyus?
0: No. Cool. Well, moving on. Um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> no, I
1: Wait. I do think that Trey Jones is being slept on due to I don't think I will mention anybody else in this podcast unless we're talking about people we've already mentioned Mm -hmm. that will get more assists than Trey Jones. Um, Spurs will be exciting. Trey Jones will have the ball in his hand. Um, You know, we're worried about, say, campaign coming in. Well, they've waived him. This is Trey Jones' starting spot. He will have the ball in his hands. I'm not worried about Malachi Branham or anyone like that. Trey Jones will be starting with Wemby, uh, with, you know, your Vassell and your Keldon Johnsons, all these other guys. Yep. I think that there's upside in there, especially at around 110. I've even seen him go as low as 120. Yeah, okay. Derek White. Um, in my first mock draft this year, I saw him go in the 50s. Yep. Drew yep. Holiday's there now. I hated him there in that space anyway. I was really high on him because I thought that we could get him at 100. And then I saw everybody overreacting to Derek White. Um, I saw him on waivers the other day. I don't think that he's bad enough that he needs to be on waivers, but I don't think we need to take him in the top 110. Is that where you sit with him?
0: I'll answer your question with a question. Who are you going to have? Derek White or Mike Conley? Who would you prefer? Consistency wise Mike, Con- Mike Conley. Yep. So why would you pick Derek White, someone that's going to be battling for minutes with, you know, Drew Holiday when you've got Mike Conley there starting point guard, who's going 110, 120 in drafts, who is the clear number one point guard? Mate,
1: Mike Conley is battling with Jordan McLaughlin. Who's she? I don't know. I think he was on Home and Away a few years ago.
0: Okay. Oh, he's the guy that's six foot fuck all, <laughs> or five foot fuck all, isn't he? He's a, he's a little dude. But tell me, like, why wouldn't you just pick up Mike Conley if he's there?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think because of how I've got assigned Mike Conley basketball in behind me. Sorry. Let me move that up. I've got a sign Mike Conley basketball in behind me. Um, So, massive fan from his grizzly days. Him at 34 is just going to keep giving you what he has always given us. There's no downside. There's no upside. It's not particularly exciting. But if you Mm -hmm. just need a safety net there at 120, because you've taken some risks. Maybe you've got blokes like Zion. Maybe you took Jordan Poole earlier on. Just get a bloke in like Conley. um, Ride the wave. There's no question marks like there is with White. I rate Conley over, not over, you know, anyone we've spoke about before, Trey Young, but I think if you can get Mike Conley at 120, you're going to get the 120th best player.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't have a Mike Conley signed basketball, but I do have a standard squeeze bottle. Thanks to the guys at standard squeeze for looking after us.
1: Tell us about oh, it. Please. He's uh, He's got me in a four-in-one here. Um, I drink my coffees in it in the morning. I drink my beers in it in the afternoon. Not too often at 11 a.m., but I did go on a Gold Coast trip with you, so you know it does come out on occasion, on weekends. I
0: I think there was one bloke that pulled one out before 7.30 a.m. one morning, but we digress.
1: I was was burning the coffee machine up at that time.
0: Now, let's Um, let's get to our tier eights, and these guys are guys that are, as you would say, you're throwing the dart at the dart board with a blindfold on. You don't know what you're going to get, but potentially it's going to win you the league. Yeah, so, and I
1: think there's a chance
0: of yeah, that. Yeah. So with Ben Simmons, Australia's, I'm not Dully. going to say favourite player, but he's, he's got a bit of a target on his back. Actually, not a bit of a target, a huge target on his back, given the way that he's been the last couple of years, the amount of basketball that he's missed out on, his reluctance to play for Team Australia. I want this guy to play basketball, and I want this guy to play well. Why? Because he's Australian, and we love Australians. We're going to back him through thick and thin, right? But let's let's see with the ball in the hands, mate. Let's see you get some continuity in your game. I, we want to see you do well, and in the hundred and tens, hundred and twenties, hundred and thirties, tremendous value if he's on the court.
1: And you know what? Like in a leg that goes one hundred and forty-four deep, the guys that you're taking one hundred and thirty. You're probably willing to drop if they're not working anyway. If those guys yeah. are Ben Simmons, I'm extremely happy.
0: Yeah, I'll throw another couple to you: Russ, Westbrook, Schroeder, Markel Fultz, who's dropping considerably lately. I Give me one, two, three. Who are you picking?
1: Fultz, Schroeder, Russ.
0: Mm-hmm. I love Fultz. Like if he, if he's still there at 85, 80 even. I'm taking him. I really like him.
1: People like fall in love with the fact that they want to see three pointers from their uh, from their point guard. You don't need it if you've if you worked your team a, a certain way and Fultz can be great value in there. Yes, I think that he's gonna be a top one hundred guy regardless.
0: Have have a look at Fultz's field goal percentage from last year.
1: Yeah, go on. What are you seeing? Um, I'm seeing Hold on, I've just I've got no, to close all the Jones jumps. No, that's okay.
0: So Fultz's field goal percentage last year was over five hundred. Like from memory yeah. it was almost fifty four percent from the field. That would be the top, if not very close to the top for uh, point guards in the league. Yeah so when you're getting someone like that in your team that boosts tremendously your field goal percentage he gets your steals he gets your blocks he gets your assists he gets you out of position rebounds he's a nice player that just does a bit of everything just don't rely on him to score a lot of points
1: yeah but like at a dart throw at 110 to 140 are you really going to get that many points anyway unless you're taking somebody like a um what, a Jordan Clarkson? Like, you start taking somebody yeah, like right. Jordan Clarkson, but then you don't get any of those other things that Fultz gives you.
0: Mm-hmm. Cam Thomas, the... maybe? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, Schroeder, there's a lot of question marks around Toronto, but one like thing that we, saw okay. that we saw in the World Cup was Schroeder can score and he's going to be starting for Toronto. If you're in 140, you don't just throw a dart at, at Dennis Schroeder.
0: Maybe I I think he's all right as, as your last pick, but I'm a, I'm a very firm believer. And like I drafted Scotty Barnes in our league for this reason. I think Scotty Barnes is going to be the premier distributor in Toronto this year. So I think he's, he's going to be less of a facilitator and more of a scorer, which who knows that may work in his favor.
1: Um, Look, is it time that we stop talking about Russell Westbrook in, in fantasy podcasts, or um, is he the starting? He is the starting point guard. I don't know. Tell us about
0: Russ. What do you? What do you want me to say? Like, the guy is on a two-year, fuck-all million-dollar deal. He um, he's getting old. He can't rely on his explosiveness anymore to blow by defenders. I just, I'm not sold. On Russ, and I don't think you'll find the big horses will take a punt on him this year.
1: If you look up Russell Westbrook of fantasy scores, basically the whole thing is red. Um, The only upside spot is those assists, but you know, he ruins field goal percentages. He ruins free throw percentages. He ruins your turnovers. He doesn't get blocks. He doesn't really get steals. Um, He ruins your three-pointers. Like, I don't know. It's
0: time to move on from Westbrook. In his preseason game today, he didn't hit a shot. There you go.
1: There you
0: go. So potentially, do we see Bones Highland start in LA and have Russ coming off the bench?
1: Yeah, look, there's there's a chance. Um, I think that we do get a look and see into spots like this. But mm-hmm. the amount that Russ is getting paid now, you do see a pathway to that.
0: And Fultz, I've so just looked up today's results. Five from seven from the field, four boards, five assists, one steal, no turnovers, 10 points in 20 minutes. Consistent. I like it.
1: I like it too. Um, the next category is, I suppose, absolute flyers. These guys are not going to win you your leagues. If you're in a deep league that goes 180, 200 deep, um, you could you could add a couple of these guys. Um, mm-hmm. Look, would you look at, say, a Lowry or a Mountain or a Quickly? I wouldn't in a 12-team nine-cat, um, but could you?
0: No, Lowry, you're not going to get the games out of him. Melton, yes, if Harden moves. I started last year with Melton, and while he was good at times, there were times or games, whole games for that matter, where he'd just go missing and give you nothing. So from that consistency point of view, he's probably burnt me a little bit. Out of all the ones that we have there, so we've got Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Suggs, who's – Really nice defensively, but hasn't worked it out offensively. Cole Anthony, who I still believe might be on the move before the season starts. And I've added a late one in there in campaign. I think campaign offers some really nice value at Milwaukee. They're running the second unit alongside Bobby Portis.
1: Yeah, and I think when you start looking at those deeper leagues, there is value in all these guys. And I know that us on the podcast have been focusing on these 12 teamers. But I'm really comfortable taking Larry at 170 in a um, in a 20 man, 10 yeah, yeah 10 player deep draft. Um, I'm comfortable taking a punt on Brogdon if I can put him in on IR at the start of the year if I don't have injury concerns elsewhere. Um, Cole Anthony could win the um, win the position over somebody like Fultz. I don't really see it happening, but at 190, um, Cole Anthony's going to be playing basketball. Look. That's sort of where you need to look at with some of these players, don't you?
0: Absolutely. And just recently, uh, Orlando Magic have come out and said Markel Fultz will be the starting point guard and Cole Anthony will be coming off the bench. Excellent. Um, is mm. there anyone else you want to talk to about with point guards? I suppose
1: I want, I want to stress that... <clears throat> It's not the end of the world if you don't end up with these tier one, tier two point guards because there's so yeah. much value in that second and third rounds with your, with your Kyries, your Lillards, your Trey's, your Harden's and your Fred Van Vliet's. You do get better value on people like that. If yeah. you start punting categories early, like Fred Van Vliet, fantastic. You've just got to punt field, uh, field goal percentage. Field goal
0: percentage, yep.
1: Yeah, um, Trey Young, great. You've probably got to punt, field goal percentage and turnovers. Um, yeah, if you don't miss, if you miss out on one of these guys, there's only five of them in the first round. It's not the mm. end of the world. Um, you know, pick up somebody, bolster your team and um, and
0: just move forward and you can still win your comp. 100%. Now, that did we bring up Emmanuel quickly from New York? Oh, talk to me about him. He can really light it up when he's on. I think he'll be that, Again, the sixth man at New York where he comes on, he gets his 20 minutes a night and and just takes every shot that he can. I think with Dante DiVincenzo there and some help uh, in the second unit, he could potentially be of value in deeper leagues. Um, Yeah, but the only other one I can think of off the top of my head would be Malik Monk from Sacramento. That man can really let it fly when he's on. Uh, don't expect many assists or rebounds out of him, but threes-wise, um, field goal percentage—it's either going to win you or lose you week. So, yeah, watch this space on Malik Monk as well.
1: How deep do you have to go to add somebody like Malik Monk? Is that 230 deep? Is that 220 deep? Is it 200 deep?
0: I, I think he's not draftable, but he's streamable. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I had, um, I had him last year, and he burnt me a couple of times. So, yeah, he's, he's not the—he's in the do not draft in bracket. But again, with favourable matchups, and if they've got three, four game weeks, he could make his way in for the week. Excellent. We ready to wrap it up. I think so. Um, thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for talking about point guards. I know that we've got our small forward one out. I know that we're working towards centers, shooting guards, and power um, forwards in the next upcoming days. Um, you've listened to an inside NBA podcast. So, yeah.